the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God is preparing those of us who will listen to him for something that is so much greater than us for our future. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. We will consider three points in light of our title, When... Will it end? Number one, a timely dream. A timely dream. See, Joseph could have easily thought God had forsaken him and forgot about him. But yet, there was someone in the prison that had a dream. And as you know, what did they used to call Joseph, his older brothers? Oh, here comes the dreamer. They hated him. So he knew a little bit about dreams. Number two, we're going to look at a mystery revealed. God allowed Joseph to know the mystery of this dream. And number three, a forgotten promise. How many of us have had those? People have promised you things and, well, they forgot. Oops. Well, let's look at our first point, a timely dream. As we read together, beginning in chapter 40, we'll pick up in verse 1. It says, then it came about after these things that the cupbearer, this is the one who would taste the wine before the Pharaoh tasted it. So if it was poisoned, he'd croak and Pharaoh wouldn't. The cupbearer and the baker, the man who made the food for the king uh, of Egypt, offended their Lord, the king of Egypt. They offended him. So Pharaoh was furious with the two officials and the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. So he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard. Now, remember who the captain of the bodyguard was? That was Potiphar, who bought Joseph. So he's like the right-hand man protecting Pharaoh. So now he's in his custody and in the jail in the same place where Joseph was in prison because Potiphar put him in his jail, okay? So the captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge. Okay, so now what, Potiphar has still had connection now with Joseph? Maybe he's starting to second guess little Miss Hussy wife, you know, who knows? We're not told. But for some reason, Potiphar puts Joseph in charge of them. So it says they were in confinement at the same time. Verse 5, then the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt, who were in confinement in jail, both had a dream. And the same night, each man with his own dream and each dream with its own interpretation. And when Joseph came to them in the morning and observed them, behold, they were dejected. And he asked Pharaoh's officials who were with him in confinement, In the master's house, why are your faces so sad today? Notice how Joseph 
He knew all the prisoners. He was concerned for them. I wonder if we're concerned for our fellow employees. I wonder when we go to work, you know, on a Monday, like who, go, who likes to go to work on a Monday? It's a Monday. Ugh. But it's like you go to work on a Monday and all of a sudden someone that is in your office, they work at the next desk over or what have you. And all of a sudden there is real quiet. Maybe something happened to them over the weekend. Maybe some tragedy has struck their house. Maybe they're having difficulties in their marriage. Hey, what's going on? What do you mean? Well, you just seem a little down today. It's like, oh, no, nothing. Nothing? I mean, really? I just, seems like something's going on. Maybe there's something I could pray for you. Well, I'm having some difficulties with my, with my marriage. Oh, man, I'm so sorry to hear that. Well, I want to pray for you. Hey, I also want you to know that, you know, my church, and you could go and talk to one of the pastors, you know, because the one who created marriage is God himself. And, you know, there's no one that knows anything more about marriage than God since he made it. You know, maybe, maybe you could get you and your wife and I could set you up an appointment for one of our pastors. You could come in and maybe just kind of air some things out. You know, I know that they really keep things private and personal and, you know, what, what do you think? Well, I, I don't know. Maybe they wouldn't come in. Maybe they would. But you never know unless you ask, right? You never know. But it's like Joseph took time to know the prisoners. And he knew something was wrong with these guys. As crazy as it sounds, God allowed this hardship to happen in Joseph's life. He didn't make it happen, but he allowed it to happen. All of the pain, all of the discomfort, and all of the difficulty, God allowed to happen. But why, many would ask. Well, because God has a plan. Now, I agree that there's nothing about Joseph's circumstances that look like a plan from God. Yet, nonetheless, God was going to work in the midst of these circumstances. Know this. We can learn from every experience that happens under the sun. We can learn from the blessings of God. And we like that, don't we? We love learning from the blessings of God. I mean, who doesn't want to learn from answered prayer? Yes, brother, it was so awesome. I had prayed for this, and and God blessed, and I've learned so much. God is so faithful. We love to learn from the blessings of God. All of us do. But the problem is, most of the time, when we're living under the blessings of God, we don't learn a lot. When we're on easy street, When we're soaking up the sun rays, taking extra vacations, there's not a lot we learn of the deep things of God. Make no mistake about it, most people are way more apt to learn from hardship and difficult times, times of great distress, because it's in those times that we experience pain, and pain causes us to never want pain again. It's like, okay, Lord, I'm learning my lesson because I don't want this pain to ever happen in my life again. That's why when we remove consequences from criminals that commit crimes today, crimes don't go down, they go up. You don't eliminate the pain of breaking the law. 
You make it even harder. That makes people think twice before they do a crime. But now we've taken away all this, you know, pain and, and, and we give all this tolerance to people that commit crimes because, well, we want to take it easy on them because, well, they've had a tough life. And so because we're nice to them, they're going to commit less crime. No, they're looking at you like a bunch of vegetables and thinking, if you're not going to do anything wrong with me, I'm going to commit more crime. They make it in California now that it's not even a crime if you steal up to $950 worth of material. Now, if you steal more than $950, okay, now it's a crime. So is that going to make shoplifting less or more? This is ridiculous. Crime goes up. Yes, the harder the trial, the more impact it has on us, right? But why? Because we all learn from pain. We learn from the strains of life. We learn from walking in the desert. What do we learn from walking in the desert? I don't want to walk in the desert. Why? It's hot. And you get really thirsty and hungry. I I don't want to walk in the desert. So you're like, oh God, have mercy on me. Keep me from the desert. This is why we must allow our hardships to drive us closer to the Lord, not farther away. Don't sit there, oh, my hardships, old. the Lord doesn't love me, I'm walking away. Oh, no, 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 no. Cling to him even more during this hardship. Let the fires of this life refine us and restore us, not destroy us. For there is always a reason for the fire. God works in the midst of the fire. You're never closer to the Lord than when you're in the fire because God works in the midst of a variety of circumstances that can happen to us while we're in the fire. He doesn't cause the fire. We live in a fallen world that has rejected God, so there's fires all around us that's filled with many broken pieces. We live in a broken world filled with broken pieces, but yet God can work in the midst of the fire. He can work in the midst of the broken pieces and the brokenness of our culture and society. He can work in the midst of all of it. Understand, God is preparing those of us who have ears to hear. God is preparing those of us who will listen to him for something that is so much greater than us for our future. Well, Getting back to Joseph and his hot fire and trial that he's in. He's now introduced to others who have been thrown into the fire with him. Yes, when we are walking in the fire, we will meet other people that are walking in the fire also. You go through a hardship. People come up. I know what you've been. I know what you're going through. It just happened to me. This happened to me. I've been there. I've walked through that fire. And you realize there's other people. Wow, there's people all around me that have been in this fire. And even though they got burned, they're still walking. They still have a smile on their face. That means there's hope for me. Yes, you'll always meet other people in the fire. We will always meet those. We're not told what these guys did to anger the king. But in verse 2, it said that Pharaoh was furious with them. So whatever they did, It enraged him, and they're in some serious hot water. Yet by divine appointment and providence, they were put into the care of Joseph, the man of God, the man who trusts God. 
the man who has been slighted every way you could be slighted, and yet he still has a smile on his face. He still, when you look into his eyes, you don't see a man stuck in a dungeon. You see a man who has a relationship with God. It's like, wow, what a difference that makes. Notice in verse 4, they were there for some time. What does that mean? It could have been several weeks or months. It wasn't just a few days. Oh, they were there for some time. Oh, it's been a while. Oh, you've been in there for a while. Now, Joseph had already been in there for several years. How do we know that? Well, he was like 17, 18 years old when those brothers sold him to the Ishmaelite slave traders. Then he was taken into Potiphar's house. So let's say he was there for a couple years. Say he was three years kind of growing up the, the corporate ladder, taking over everything. Then Miss Hussey got a hold of him and all of that. So then that thing went awry. So then he's thrown into prison. He's going to get out in a couple years and he's 30 years old. So he could have been in there six, seven years already. Okay. So he's been in there for several years. And Joseph is caring for them. He took time to know them. He was concerned for them. Again, as I was saying before, take time with your fellow employees. Be concerned for them and what's happening in their lives. Pray for them. And you never know when things come up like, hey, I'm doing this uh, Good Friday service. They might just, oh, yeah, I'll go with you. Hey, let's jump in my car. Hey, we'll catch in and out on the way back. You know, it's just, you you never know. But see, you earn the right to preach the gospel. You earn the right to invite them to church when things start going sour because you have taken concern for them. Who else cares about them? Nobody else cares about them. But when you have concern, hey, I've been praying for you. You know, God laid you on my heart the other day. Maybe you're praying one morning. Maybe you're on your way to work and the Lord just lays some employee, you know, fellow employee on your heart and you just share with them, hey, you know, God put you on my heart. I'm praying for you. That's it. Don't give them a whole sermon. They don't need a 45-minute sermon right there, but you just, you're praying for me? Uh, uh, oh, okay. Uh, they, you know, but what do they think when they walk away? Who else is praying for them? Who else has concern for them? Well, one day, Joseph noticed they were overwhelmed. They were grieved. The countenance on their face had changed because he took note of the countenance changing, which brings up our second point, a mystery revealed. Let's read what happens next here, picking up in chapter 40, verse 8. It says, then they said to him, we've had a dream and there's no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to them, what do you mean there's no one to interpret it? He says, do not interpretations belong to God? God can interpret your dream." Tell it to me, please. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph. And he said to him, well, in my dream, behold, there was a vine in front of me. And on the vine, there were three branches. And as it was budding, its blossoms came out and its clusters produced ripe grapes. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. So I took the grapes and I squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup. And I put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches, those are three days. And within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to his office. And you will put Pharaoh's cup into his hand according to your former custom when you were his cupbearer. 
Only keep me in mind when it goes well with you, when this happens, and please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For I was, in fact, kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I have done nothing. They should put me into this dungeon. And when the chief baker saw that he had interpreted favorably, like, hey, well, that went pretty good for him. (laughs) Okay, he said to Joseph, well, I also had a dream. And behold, there were three baskets of white bread on my head. And the top basket, there was some of all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh. And the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Now, in the Bible, usually when birds are used in an analogy, it's never good. Anyway, but anyway, moving on. He says, then Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days. And within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and you will hang on a tree and the birds will eat the flesh off of you. Yeah, that didn't go over too good. (laughs) Verse 20. Thus it came about on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all of his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among the servants. And he restored the chief cupbearer to his office, and he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had interpreted to them. Wow, there's a lot there. So, going back here to verse 8, they were both grieved over these dreams that they had. So, Joseph responded with, not to worry. God is the interpreter of all dreams. Tell me your dreams. And the cupbearer shares his dream. Now, let's not forget, one of the reasons that Joseph was so hated by his own brothers was he was a dreamer. Remember, he was coming out to check up on his brothers again, and they said, ah, here comes the dreamer, because he would have these dreams where his family was bowing down to him. So he would get dreams, and God would give him the interpretation of these dreams, and he would share them with his, with his family, and his family, we just hate you for your dreams. But now, without hesitation, God gives Joseph the interpretation to the cupbearer's dream. The cupbearer probably spoke first because he was confident of his innocence. Remember, both the cupbearer and the baker are being held in some kind of contempt, guilty of a high crime. Again, what does the cupbearer do? He tastes the wine before Pharaoh does, so if it's poisoned, he dies and not Pharaoh. And the baker cooks the food. So if the food is tainted, then something happens. So something happened here to where Pharaoh was threatened with his life, and he thought these two guys were somehow in cahoots with it. But again, I think that the cupbearer was confident of his innocence here. And so, again, you know, he shares his story first. Now, at times, there can be truth in dreams, like we see here. There's a truth. God set this up. He gave the dreams. He gave the interpretations. God was using it for his purpose and plan. And there are times like what the Bible says in the book of Joel, prophesying for what would happen in the last days. I believe that we are living in the last days now. And it says this in Joel 2.28, it says, In the last days I will pour out my spirit to all mankind, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. 
So we know that, you know, there will be a time in the end times where people will see things that will happen and they will happen just like it says. Yet we must be very careful, though, when it comes to dreams. I've had many people come to me and they get caught up in the weirdness of a dream. But know this, most of the time, dreams are just simply that. They're just dreams. They don't mean anything. They're just wackiness that goes on in our head, and nothing comes from them. But you will always know if a dream is from God, because people come to me all the time, Pastor, I had this dream. What does it mean? It's like, uh, it's probably not from God. Anyway, so two things will always happen if it's a dream from God. Number one, God will never, ever, ever contradict his word. So if you have a dream and it's contradicting God's word, that isn't from God because he will never contradict his word. And number two, they will always come to pass with no weirdness, no weirdness. They will never contradict God's word, even slightly. If it does, it's not from God. And if it doesn't come to pass exactly how the dream says, it's not from God. Well, half of it happened and half of it didn't. Well, then that's not from God. And we should just forget them. I've had people share the craziest dreams with me. You know, and like, what am I supposed to do? You know, they come to me and say, well, I think that God's asking me to marry this non-believer. Well, who is it? Hugh Jackman. Uh, Okay. Well, let me give you two reasons why this is not from God. Number one, he's not a believer. God would never have you to marry a non-believer. So if you're single and you're dating and you're thinking about marrying a non-believer, you are absolutely outside of God's will. How can you say that, bro? You, you've never even met the person. I don't have to meet them. God says, don't be unequally yoked with a non-believer. You're never to marry outside of your faith ever, ever. Okay, so number one, that. And number two, Hugh Jackman's married already. Okay, so no, just get this out of your head. It's just some crazy dream. Here's how we should deal with dreams. We should do what those in the Bible did with their dreams and visions. You remember Mary, the mother of Jesus, when she saw the angel Gabriel, and he says, oh, blessed are you among women. Hey, I'm going to drop some information on you. God has chosen you to be the bearer of the Messiah, Savior of the world, the Christ. Uh, that's nice. Okay. Uh, I have a problem. I'm just this poor girl living in a really depressed uh, city that has nothing. And um, by the way, I've never had sex with a man. Uh, You know, I'm a virgin. And he's like, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Don't problem. This is what God's going to do. So what did Mary do? She did nothing. She pondered it, the Bible says. Meaning she deeply and carefully considered what it meant. If it was from God, I guess it would happen, right? And if it wasn't from God, then it wouldn't happen. So what happened? She missed her period. She's pregnant. But wait, she's a virgin. She's never had sex with a man. That's right. But she's pregnant now. So what do you think Mary's thinking? Well, I guess it was from God. Because I know I've never had any man on this body, and I'm pregnant. So it's exactly what the dream was, exactly what the vision was. It's exactly what the angel said. She pondered it. If it happens, then it's of God. If not, then it's not. Don't lose any sleep over it. So Joseph said, Joseph said this to the cupbearer. In three days, you're going to be set free. You're going to be completely restored to your position with Pharaoh, and you're going to be pouring him wine once again. But notice what he said in verse 14. He says, when it goes well with you, because it's going to go well with you, because God gave you this dream. I can see Joseph thinking, man, this is good, good, good. Make sure you tell Pharaoh about me. 
Tell them about me and the injustices that have happened to me here. Yes, Joseph was a man of faith, and he knew that God allowed this dream for a reason. Then the baker who thought to himself, well, hey, maybe I'm going to get out of here also. We're not told what these guys were in prison for, but obviously something happened in the inner circle of Pharaoh's staff. Now the interpretation of the baker's dream is not what he's hoping for. Joseph said in three days, buddy, you're toast and the birds are going to eat your flesh. And we know what Joseph was thinking to himself, right? He had to be thinking, thank you, God, you're going to get me out of here. I've been in here for six, seven, eight years. It's like, I'm out of here. You know, he's packing his bags. Man, it's like he just knows that the cupbearer is going to go there to the king and just say, man, I got to tell you, king, I was there and this, this guy in the prison, I had a dream and he revealed exactly what was going to happen to me and the baker. And I'm here now. It's like, wow. And you know, Joseph said, I'm going to get out of here in a hot second. But Houston, we got a problem. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app, available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 347-89, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 